All right, and welcome into the Sit Up Podcast. I am your producer, Andrew Morgan, right alongside the host, the man you came to see, Dr. Leroy Barber. How you doing today, sir? I am doing good, brother. How are you? It's uh, it's King Day, and uh, we are back, kind of semi quarantining as a family, just to be safe. So I'm home, and we're going to do this work from home today instead of out the streets. We're we're I generally like to be. Yeah, and that's a good thing, man. The, the numbers are rising. Um, I've had a scare in my household with it. My wife, thank God, is is a trooper. But everyone in the house is just about boosted. So we're making it through. That's such an important thing to do. Like, if there's nothing else you can do today, if you got off, schedule your booster. Yeah. I uh, I was supposed to be in D.C. I got you know, every five years we do an action uh, with some folks, uh, Mike McBride and Shane Claiborne and some other folks uh, against the death penalty and decided not to go this year. Um, really wanted to be there and, and shout out to them. They're, they're there and they're doing that, doing the action. And uh, I'm not there. I'm home. Decided to, to be a little bit safer today. Uh, so, so, yeah, here we are. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about MLK, but not, you know, in the, the typical way. There's uh, the conversation has changed a little bit over the, over the past few years, especially this year. We're starting to mature a little bit more as a country, as a nation, and we're starting to recognize uh, those spaces in which, you know, you don't just say uh, MLK. You don't just use his name, throw up a quick quote, look a little bit woke, right. and then you go back to sleep because you got an off day. Now we're starting to really recognize that there's an action that should be taken, uh, right. you know, behind the life and, and the death that, that this man had. So uh, today we're going to talk a little bit deeper about MLK. And one of the things we want to encourage you to do as listeners, uh, because the Sit Up podcast, it stands for some things. It's sports innovation, theology, the U is the ugly, and the P is what we want from you today. That's the public discourse. If you've got an MLK, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, to be honest with you, if you're watching this and you have a story from a maybe if you were alive in a time where you got a chance to meet him or be directly impacted, of course, we would love to hear that story. But uh, mainly, you know, if you have any comments on some of the things that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about books and other different things. And if you have suggestions, please, you know, feel free to chime in because this show is definitely about you. Uh, when it comes to Dr. King, there's so many different places we could go. Um, Leroy, before we get into like the heart of the matter, while we're letting people share uh, this and, and, you know, and more people are coming in and getting set up on a personal level, I want to ask you this, not, you know, an academic or anything. You are Dr. Reverend Leroy Barber, right? So you've got the, you know, this experience of ministering. Um, you've got this experience of just being a leader in the community. How personally has Dr. King's legacy affected you? Oh man, good question. I, so I, I think for me, um, it wasn't until I was able to kind of pour into really reading Dr. King instead of going by the quotes, instead of going by the media clips on TV. Um, you know, we've seen a thousand, thousand times um, the March on Washington, I have a dream speech, right? All of those kinds of things. Like I knew all, we all we all heard hear those kind of things and heard those kind of things, but it wasn't until I dove in 
uh, and started reading it for myself and uh, unpacking some of the things that Dr. King really stood for um, without, without it being filtered through media hype. Um, changed changed my outlook around him, and so I've studied a lot uh, uh, of Dr. King. I actually think one of his greatest writings is the letter of Bur to Birmingham Jail, which people reference, but I don't think people really read. I, I want to stick with I, I do later on. I'm going to ask you to kind of break down some of these letters or some of the writings that he's had had on on a, on a greater scale than what typically you know just a quick quote. But for right now, when you think of Dr. King as the person that we get a chance to, that we're exposed to, mm -hmm. um, as a father, how, how, how has seen his legacy play out? Like you as a father, is there anything that you've taken from what you see from Dr. King's legacy as you parent, as you've moved forward? Yeah, that's, I, I, you know what? I think, I think I've tried to, after this process, I've tried to try to make it where he's a human being, right? Where he's a father, where he's taking care of his kids, where he's saying goodnight stories and, or where he's disappointing his kids around something, right? Um, I think I wanna see him as a human being, as a father. Um, uh, uh, and, and some of those, those lessons that he probably learned, right? Um, uh, and that his children carry on, right? Like, I, I don't think I wanna lift him up as a perfect, perfect man, a perfect family. I, I actually have Coretta Scott's uh, book too, which lets you in on a little bit more of that, right? And I, that's just kind of how I like to go about it. You know, I want him to be human. I think you, don't, that, you don't have to be a God for me to admire him. Yeah, I think that's one of the bigger the issues of uh, that we've gotten to where, how do you take a person off this pedestal and, and let allow their humanity to be on display without necessarily um critiquing them in a, in a negative way or taking it too far so when people found out that he was human a lot of people chose to go the route of maybe canceling him in their mind or saying that you know he's not worthy he wasn't worthy of all these different things uh this day like having a holiday let me ask you that knowing and studying dr king and this is seem might seem like a silly question but should we should he have a holiday surrounded around the work that he did like should he should we be celebrating uh king day i i'm i'm glad we celebrate it but it has it has um it has you know the term whitewashed right uh it has cleaned up uh some of what he stood for right and and made it more pal palatable to uh to white fragility if that's fair right i think that's fair Right, but yeah. <laughs> so, so let's let's go, Laurie. Let's start diving into some of that. Then, since you brought that up, so one of the things that we talked about earlier was seeing a shift and the social media world that we live in, where over the last few years you've started to PC people say, "Don't just quote Dr. King um, on MLK Day and go on about your business." read the whole entire thing or watch the entire speech. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that if someone took that advice, what are some of the things that you think, because you mentioned like the holiday is whitewashed. So what happens is kids take this day off maybe just to learn about I have a dream speech or something. But mm -hmm. what would people be shocked to find 
in in between the lines of even the I have a dream speech. But, you know, like some of his writing, some of his speeches, some of the things that he stood for, what are some of the things that you say people would be absolutely shocked to find out this came from this man who's been presented as really, some would say soft. Here's here's one thing I would say, and uh, I gave this example to some friends the other day that you people would there was at one point that Dr. King uh, in one of his uh, in, in one of his settings said that most white people in America are racist, right? Like that's a quote you don't you don't you don't see put out there, right? Most white people in America are racist. Put it in quotation mark. Dr. Martin Luther King, <laughs> right? They're not gonna put that one out there. Right. Uh, and and so so it's things like that where uh, we, we don't get to see all the time uh, unless you dive in a little deeper. Right. Now, this is not to take anything away from his call for hum humanity to be unified. It, it doesn't take away from that. But there's a path to that unity that's rough. So one of one of the things that I've I've, I've heard people talk about was the depth of his, the, the, the depth of his stance on things political mm -hmm. uh, that didn't necessarily, it affected uh, the African-American uh, people, but it, it didn't have a direct effect the way that most people think. And, and one of those things was the Vietnam War and his stance on Vietnam. What, you know, how do you, what have you read about that and about how he took this stance and what that meant to his to his legacy and to to his life. Well, first we gotta first there's um, to realize, and we we should just read some of this stuff. But um, to realize that um, Dr. King, in what is it, August twenty eighth, nineteen sixty three, was the march on Washington. August twenty eighth, nineteen sixty three. He died April. 19 or he died he was killed april uh 1968 those years in between there were different than the years before between 1955 and 1963 that um vince harding writes there was a different king uh after the march on washington and what made king different was him beginning to do these things beginning to talk about poor people and the poor people's campaign, him uh, starting to, to speak against the Vietnam War, him starting to talk about the economic disparities uh, in the US and what that would mean long-term if we didn't correct some of those things, right? Dr. King was killed for a reason. And uh, those, those three things were three main thing, reasons why he was killed. He spoke out against war. He spoke out against uh, the wealthy economy that was uh, uh, un uh, unjust to the poor, right? Like, the, like those are the things that got him killed. What do you, uh, it's funny when you mention, when you mention those different things, why is it that in this era that we live in, why is it that it's been so difficult to bring some of those things to the forefront? Like what? What are the forces stop? Like what is stopping? What has stopped things? So from this being a part of the textbooks, this being a part of what we see, 
like, you know, how do you see, because you're saying it, you're speaking it into the space that you have right now, but why do you think we've not done this? Why, why do you think this has been buried? Oh, because it, it, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it kind of goes against everybody, right? Like it challenges us all, right? That was some of the beauty of Dr. King that um, it challenged it challenged everyone, right? So I, I, let me read a little bit of Vince Harding what he what he said. Um, One of King's most significant characteristics in his last years was his willingness to take great risk on behalf of hope, to shake himself free of the more familiar triumphant settings and to break loose towards the solitary unchartedness of the wilderness, especially if that exploratory movement might help him to respond more faithfully to the cries of the poor, the vulnerable and the marginalized women, men and children of our nation and world, right? Um, That uh, now like, he began to take more risk after after the march on Washington. You think, man, it was it was bad before then, but afterwards, remember Selma happened in 1965, right? Uh, that was after the march on Washington that 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 people were being beat on that bridge in Selma, right? That was three years before his death, right? He died at a garbage workers like. Uh, uh, event that he was going to, right? It wasn't, it had become about what, like taking what had happened to Black folks and using that as a platform to challenge America, right? Now think about that. What happened to Black people using as a platform to challenge America, right? That, that was beginning to be the foundation. It was the foundation of what Dr. King was doing in America. And I think like Black Lives Matter picked that up. What happened to Black people using that as a challenge towards America and the way it operates, right? So in essence, Black Lives Matter picked up um, quite uniquely, right? What Dr. King was doing when he died, when he was killed. I need to, we need to, we need to, emphasize that. Oh, that's interesting you would say that because a lot of people would say that the the churches picked up, you know, picks up his legacy, but you're saying Black Lives Matter. Would you say that the church as a whole right now does pick up in any way, shape, form? Do you see the church picking up? So, so, so you, you, you walk right into this. So let here's another, and I want I want Dr. King to speak today, right? So here's another here's another little excerpt, and this is from the book Strength to Love. Nowhere in the tragic tendency to conform more evident uh, is more evident than in the church, an an institution which has often served to crystallize, conserve, and even bless the patterns of majority opinion. The erstwhile sanctioned by the church of slavery, racial segregation, war, and economic exploitation is testimony to the fact that the church has hearkened more to the authority of the world than to the authority of God. Called to be the moral guardian of the community, the church at times has preserved that which is immoral and unethical called to combat social evils. It has remained silent behind stained glass windows, called to lead 
people, men and women on the highway of brotherhood and to summon them to rise above the narrow confines of race and class. It has enunciated and practiced racial exclusiveness. You asked about the church and what did Dr. King had to say? There you go. Do you think that's still valid? <laughs> like this, I mean, this is 40 years old. It's, it's old. And it's still like you, I read that. And I, if I didn't say Dr. King wrote, this was his piece and just read it, you would think somebody wrote it yesterday. That's amazing. So this is the Dr. King you celebrate. Absolutely. This is this is the Dr. King that, uh, as Vince Harding put it, is inconvenient. Right. Let's uh, there's a really there's a cool uh, poem uh, here um, that I will read uh, by Carl Wendell Himes, Jr. Uh, and and check check this out. Now that he is safely dead, let us praise him, build monuments to his glory, sing hosannas to his name. Dead men make such convenient heroes. They cannot rise to challenge the images we would fashion from their lives. And besides, it is easier to build monuments than to make a better world. So now that he is safely dead, we, with, the, with ease consciousness, will teach our children that he was a great man, knowing that the cause for which he lived is still a cause, and the dream for which he died is still a dream, a dead man's dream. Carl Wendell Himes Jr., right, speaks that into existence for us. How important is it to, how important is it? And, and I, I always ask, if you're new to the sit podcast, I, I ask questions to, sometimes they might seem softball questions, but I know Leroy's gonna, he's got something to say. So this might seem like a soft question, but how important is it? And I asked this earlier, but I, I wanna reframe it in a different way. How important is it to white America to keep the teachings of Dr. King soft? Oh, it, 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 it has to, there's, there's fragility, right? I, you know, I, here's my quote, man. There's more white people that are fragile than not. And they need, they need softballs when it comes to these discussions. Is that and good or many, bad? Many people give those softballs. And I'm not judging any of those people that do that, but you know we have to do that. This king, the one we need, is rarely spoken. What damage is it doing when you softball though? Is it really showing love when you, when you, when you put the softball messages out there instead of? Well, it, 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 it doesn't get to the root of the problem. And when we don't get to the root of the problem, it continues the problem to go on. Or it it like uh, let's 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 put it in terms of like a cancer, right? Right? It you you have to one 
take cancer out if you have a lump, but then you have to do chemo or you have to do something else to make sure it's gone in the rest of your body because it'll come back, right? And that's, that's kind of how I liken it to, right? We take out the lumps, but we don't do the chemo, right? That's what we do with race in America. You mentioned Black Lives Matter earlier. What does, uh, and I like that example, but can we ever, or is it, is it wise for us to ever have one polarizing figure, one leader as large as Dr. King was to a particular movement? Can we afford to have that in a modern day sense? Do we need that? I don't think we need that. Honestly, I don't think we need that. I think we need uh, contextualized, local, right, engagement with people to solve these problems. Because, and I say that because institutions are so vast and controlling now that you can't get anything done from the top down, right? Yeah. Now there is use for the top down, but that has to come from grassroots engagement. That has to come from local engagement. That has to come from people where they live, moving, right? Moving the top, right? That's why voting is so important, right? Why do you think that they're trying to hinder people from voting? Voting is the most grassroots contextualized thing we can do, right? We can go to our voting booth and say who our mayor is, who our local representative is, who gets a liquor license, who can start a business, how they can, how they can do it in our neighborhoods and communities. Voting is the grass, right, grassroots movement that everybody can participate in. That's why there are all of these things against voting because it still does that. Now, Going, going back, just one, one more layer to this question I just asked. What do you think, if you had to imagine in this particular modern era, if there was a leader of that nature, could a leader survive in this particular climate that we have? Would there, would it, because we know that it's not what it, what's needed at all, but there's still people who strive to try to be that. They won't, or people who still look to that and they want one particular polar, like they want that one figure um, would that even be healthy for, for the way that we live our lives now? Or would, would it be the same outcome as a king? I, I, no, I think, I, think, I think grassroots stuff is needed. And I think a connection point for, 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 um, uh, for global connections, local, city, right, state, global, like those connections are still needed, right? Um, Dr. King didn't just work in his neighborhood in Atlanta, right? Uh, he worked there and he was, he was going to other places that helped take up the fight of the local people there. That's what we, that's what we had. I think I got, um, I got something that, uh, that speaks to that. I was trying to look to it as you were um, uh, talking. And this was Dr. King. They told me I wasn't an expert in foreign affairs, and they were all experts, he said, they told him. I knew only civil rights, and I should stick to that. 
King King backed down temporarily, but the but the die had been cast. The Negro hero had been told to stay in his place, colored place, to leave foreign affairs to white folks, to squelch any naive thoughts that nonviolence in Birmingham might be in any way related to nonviolence in Vietnam, right? But King could not be tied down anywhere. That was part of his strange appeal and great danger. Increasingly, he came to see himself as an advocate for the poor and the oppressed wherever they were. Uh, they became like fire in his bones. So he could not ignore Watts when it exploded in August 1965, nor could he put up with the uh, the uh, official explanations and rationalization, all the condemnations and evasions, right? Um, uh, he uh, became known, right, for connecting with local folks, right? Uh, what they tried to do was pigeonhole them, right? Stuff they try to do now, right? Because I'm a black man, I don't know how to how to teach white people, right? Because you're uh, a, a Asian woman, you don't know how to relate uh, to other women, white women or women outside of your race, right? All of these kinds of things, right? Pigeonhole people of color into a space where their experiences don't speak, right? And their voices get limited. White folks love doing that. And they try to do it to Dr. King, but he would have no parts of it. They tried to do this in the letter of Birmingham jail. Hey, y'all, um, he's not from here. We only wanna to talk to the people from here, right? Is what they, you know, these, these clergy told Dr. King, right? Uh, you're not from Birmingham. You need to go back to Atlanta. And we want to appeal to our uh, to our local Negroes, is what they what they said in the letter of Birmingham jail, right? But what 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 that was saying, what that does, right? Also, in context in local, right? The intimidation factor is higher, right? Because you work there, because you got to raise your family there, because right, you got all of these these little things that people could could come against. They could come to your house in the middle of the night, right? They could take your job away. They could do these things to local people without it getting out. But what they couldn't do was shut it out when it when it blew up larger. So it is our responsibility. It is folk leaders like me. It's my responsibility. To, to stay connected locally, but to lift this voice and raise this voice everywhere I can because intimidation gets higher when it's just local, right? So we all see, right? We all, like Ferguson was local, local people, local leaders took it on, but then this voice was raised by other folks, right? Hey, y'all need to look at Ferguson. You see what's going on in Ferguson? That helped the movement so that they could just squash Ferguson any longer, right? Does that make sense? I hope, I hope that's making sense to this conversation. That's the Dr. King that people don't talk about, right? Yeah, that, well, that, that's, and you mentioned it earlier, that's when Dr. King was murdered. That's where he was murdered, doing something that was, that was very local for, for Memphis. Didn't have anything really much to do with Atlanta, you would say. Right. You know, that's where where he was out doing. And I think that that created a much more dangerous uh, Dr. King. And it also it gave America a chance to to 
truly actually uh, when they were doing polls and other things, it was communities were seeing him show up. And so those approval ratings were real. You know, they they weren't just, hey, the media is showing this one little part. It's like, no, nah, he came here and he caused trouble. So this is why we don't like him. Um, and he had very poor approval ratings. We don't know that I'm not quoting the actual statistic, but we know that majority of America wasn't a fan at the time of his death. Um, but now we're in a position where we do celebrate and we do uh, love, um, you know, it, you know, the legacy that he left. And we're trying to do more than just quote Dr. King and move forward on a day like today. We want to make sure that something resonates because we live in a time and an age right now where we need people to to follow in those footsteps and do some of those things. Right. Uh, right. So and, here. So I'm sorry. Go, hey, go for it. You good? So here, here you're, I, I, you're, 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 you're saying stuff, and then I'm looking through the book, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So, so here is, here is, here is another space, right, that leans into that, right? The here's some some, some other writing. The dispossessed of this nation, the poor, both white and Negro, live in cruel in a cruelly unjust society. They must organize a revolution against that injustice, not against the lives of their fellow citizens, but against the structures through which the society is refusing to take means to lift the load of poverty. The fires at home, abroad, and within were pressing him towards the edges. Now, in the last months of his life, the man who had depended for so long on the help and cooperation of an essentially friendly federal government was facing what may have been the harshest of all realities. The government, he said, is preoccupied with war and is determined to husband every resource for military adventures rather than social transformation. This led him to the only possible conclusion for someone on the fiery, tearful, joyous pathway to an America that did not yet exist. King said, Negroes must therefore not only formulate a program, they must fashion new tactics, which do not count on government goodwill, but serve instead to compel unwilling authorities to yield to the mandate of justice. The night, this, the nightmarish time between dream and vision was now pressing Martin Luther King. He had begun to face the fact that he would have to organize confrontative, revolutionary, nonviolent opposition to his own government in order to move forward a new compassionate America. Right? This is this is this is from Vince Harding's writings of King. The inconvenient hero, right? Vince Harding lets us in behind the doors, right? Behind the scene of what was going on and how the movement was transitioning from this, uh, from the work to free Black folks to the work to free everybody. It's a dangerous place, man. He was much, and I said it earlier, and again, always going to say he was a much more dangerous man. Um, once, you know, once you start pooling, when you, you know, the poor people's campaign was a much more dangerous campaign to begin and to just mm -hmm. start than any other campaign that he could have possibly had, had really put together. 
um, because then you're really aiming at, you know, uniting people um, in a powerful way, in a, in a powerful way. The Poor People's Campaign still goes, doesn't it, to this day? It's still around. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dr. Dr. William Barber has revived it, him and some others. Yeah. And, that, you know, that shows the legacy of something that's, that's real, that you can't, you know, it's still not, it's still not gone. It's still, uh, it's never going to fade away. Um, we started off, you know, talking about Dr. King earlier today and, and some before some of the people kind of got in that are in here now. Um, we talked about the, the man of Dr. King and the influence that uh, he had on you and some of the things that you said you admired about Dr. King. Uh, one of the things I want, I want to bring us back to real quick, and you showed me a, a, an image of it earlier, and if you want to pull it up on your phone, maybe, or I can pull it up on my phone and, and show, there's this image of Dr. King um, that is a very, very powerful image. Um, and this is, I'm going to try to see if my camera can focus in on it, but this is that image of Dr. King with his daughter, um, pulling a cross out of his yard. Um, he's in his suit, you know, like this is a cross that was, you know, burned in his yard the night before. This is who he was, you know, the, this man that he was, this was some of the things he had to endure. You know, we, we kind of hit on it earlier, but I want to circle, want to circle back with you, but let's kind of speak to that, to what he had to endure in his, you know, like being, you know, we know he was murdered, um, we know that he had to endure things of this nature. What's your thoughts and your take or something that you, 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 you would want to share today about that? Well, you know, I, again, I, I, I like, you know, the images that you, that you're showing of like Dr. King pulling a cross that was burned last night out of his yard with his daughter standing right next to him. Right. This ongoing struggle, right this ongoing relentlessness to stop his voice because his voice was moving into areas that people didn't want to talk about. People didn't want to talk about poverty. People didn't want to talk about um, justice for poor folks, black and white, whoever, uh, persons of color all around. And King was calling all of these people to a revolution, literally, right? If you're poor, join the revolution and let's reconstruct America. Do you, where, where, where do you hear that? Where do you hear that being quoted by Dr. King? A call to the poor to join together to create a revolution to reconstruct America, Dr. King, right? Which means he's going to continually be pulling crosses out of his yard that are burning. He's going to continually have his life threatened, stabbed, and all kinds of things, thrown in jail, not because he gave the, the speech in Washington of, I've, I've been to the mountaintop, right, and I've, I've seen the promised land, black and white, and rich, like, like that is beautiful. Everybody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear a revolution of the poor to overturn and reconstruct America. Nobody wants to hear Like, people don't want to hear that. All right. So these are still problems that are relevant today. So if an individual takes up their cause and they, they live their life in that fashion and they do things the way Dr. King kind of gave us this, this, this blueprint, 
what does it look like now? What does the cross in the yard look like now? In some places, maybe it, it still is a cross being burned in the yard, but what are some of the ways that leaders are being treated, you know, treated in, in, a, in a modern context? What are we seeing out there now um, for leaders who are stepping into those spaces? Well, one uh, is, the is the teachings, right? What are we teaching, right? And what are these, what have these leaders walked into? And I think they've walked into some of this good stuff with Dr. King, right? The stuff that that's below the surface that we don't, that we don't hear quoted, right? Um, here's, here's another, here's, here, and here's what I mean by that. So uh, uh, doc, one of Dr. King's speeches, right? He's, uh, he's, he's going on us. Uh, talking about um, himself and what you want to tell people about him, right? He says, "This is tell this is no nice Christian minister, only, only no great orator primarily, no civil rights leader alone. This was more than a dreamer of black and white children holding hands. Tell them, Sister Charlotte, wherever you are." that he fought for the poor, that he fought against greed, that he was against war, that he was ready to give his life for the way of nonviolence and the struggle for truth and justice, right? We are doing the thing that he asked us not to do. Tell him, don't like, don't just tell him I'm some great orator, that I'm some great, you know, civil rights leader, right? That I'm some great minister. Now tell them these three things. And here are the three things. And if you're honest, what do you think about this in the chat? Tell them these three things. He fought for the poor, right? Uh, uh, he was against greed, right? Uh, that he was against war, right? Uh, and that he was ready to give his life for the struggle of truth and justice against war, against greed, right? Uh, and, and for the poor. Let, that, let, that, let those be the things that we talk about for Dr. King. He's against war. He's against greed, right? He's for the poor. He wanted to overturn the economic system of our country. Good stuff right there. So, so um, there's there's a there's another piece here, man. That's that uh, that's pretty pretty interesting. Vince Harding writes about. Um, I'm going to read this, and this is a, this is a really, uh, this is a cool section. Uh, we're not interested in being integrated into this value structure. We go ahead when we realize that if we aspire to nothing more than dark skin mimicking of America's de destructive materialism, then we will have wasted our substance in riotous living. We will have betrayed the forebearers who suffered so much to bring us here and we will have failed the children who long to be born into a better place, a more loving, less threatening, more healing place. Look, I, like, we're gonna read that. We're gonna read that. 
We are not interested in being integrated into this value structure, right? We go ahead, we go ahead when we realize that we, that we aspire to nothing more than the dark skin mimicking of America's destructive materialism. <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King. We are not trying to mimic white America in its economic pursuits. Right? And that that's a, that's convicting, man. That's very convicting, like to hear that this this man was teaching on that level. What is uh what does that look like in, in the world that you live in? Like making that make it simple, make it practical for someone. Bro, bro I don't think Dr. King like. It, this stuff is brilliant, right? And that he was able to write it. He was an incredible, great communicator, right? But but what he's telling us, he's talking to people who weren't mimicking America. Hey, y'all, we didn't get here by mimicking America. We got here by being a brotherhood and sisterhood and a community of people that care for one another, that look out for one another, that don't see their freedom uh, as just their own when they get it. We're on the backs of people like Harriet Tubman who got free and then created an underground railroad to get other folks free. He's not, he's not coming up with something. He is lifting up black America to America to say, look, if y'all need an example, here is one. That's great. That's what got him killed, right? And then he reminds us, right? Like, hey, remember, we are not here to mimic America. We are not here. If we do that, then all that you know and have been taught about how we got here is in vain, right? here to mimic America. We go, look, we go ahead when we recognize much that King could see only dimly in his own time and place, such as the need to develop a society in which women not only continue to hold up their half of the sky, but are free to participate fully in the creation of a nation that neither patronizes, fears, nor abuses its females or its feminine spirit. Bro. To move on is to see the absolute necessity of protecting the life and rights of those who choose a way of loving that is outside of the heterosexual mainstream. It, it is to see as well the need to challenge all lovers of every persuasion to move beyond the egoism of our private passions and open ourselves to that urgent new compassion and commitment which drives us directly toward the poor where we develop our best selves as citizens, as a nation, we catch up and follow only when we take seriously again, King's call for a radical reconstruction of America, relentlessly turning the nation towards the needs of our poorest and most vulnerable people. That's, that's, my, that's Vincent Harding. And that's, that's just brilliant, man. It's like, yeah, we, let's not try to make it great again. Let's actually make something that's this great. And let me give you an example by looking at us, by looking. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is we're taught down through the years 
that we have to look so many other places and look at so many other different people as though we're not a people. And Dr. King put some validity to that, to us, to the wholeness, to our whole humanity and says, not only is it humanity, but it's a, it's a, a form of humanity is worth you America taking a look at as an example of excellence, as an example of what God, what's next to God like that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, if you're on chat, you know, I'll try to shout out and say, hey, but throw some questions in. What's up, Lynn and Janice and Karen uh, and uh, Terrence, and folks that are all on there. We, we welcome y'all to this conversation. So if you got something to say, throw it on chat and we'll throw it out, throw it out as well. Man. Hey. So to continue your thought, we're trying to let Dr. King speak here today. Uh, and so here, here, here's some more in, in, the, uh, in the way in which you're, you're thinking here, bro. So um, this, is, this, part, this part is super con convicting, man. Check this out. In the early 70s, now um, uh, Vince Harding is telling kind of his experiences with Dr. King, right? Um, uh, and uh, he says, in the early 70s, one of King's closest and best known co-workers reflected on the direction of his friend and his friend and leader had been taking in those last perilous years of his life. So here's some thoughts from another one of his leaders. They're talking together, Vince Harding and another, right? Check this out. In a way, it was probably best for many of us who worked with Martin that he was killed when he was. Check this out, man. Because he was moving into some radical directions that very few of us had been prepared for. The man paused and then added, and I don't think that many of us on the staff would have been ready to take the risk of life, possessions, security, and status that such a move would have involved. Then another pause. And the final reflection, I'm pretty sure I would not have been willing to. Yeah. Bro, this is two people that walked with King reflecting back two or three years after his death. And one of them saying, you know, it may have been pretty convenient that he got killed when he did because we knew where he was going. And where he was going, we weren't prepared for. And then, then this person stops and says, I know I wasn't, and I probably wouldn't have gone there. Makes you have to internalize that statement and think about that statement. Are you ready right now to go to some of the places? To go to some of those places? Absolutely. Are you ready to to face some of those things? And that's that's a bold, especially in in this in this time frame that we live in, where we need uh, a bold shift. We need things to change. And do we have enough people who are, we have enough people who are ready and willing to go to the forefront to be seen and to say some things, but are, are people ready to die? Are people ready to, to wish that they were dead because of how they're being, uh, you know, put out on display or, you know, 
are people ready to pick up their cross? Looking at that picture we talked about earlier, are people willing to even dig a cross out their front yard to confront if they if that's the cost of confronting white America or confronting racism, confronting uh, you know uh, greed? Uh, you know, I think when it the, the craziest thing is sometimes when it boils down to it, racism is one thing, but once you start uh, addressing greed and you start addressing capitalism now for one percent all those things are you ready for that you know what is that what sacrifices are you going to have to uh make or what's going to happen to you when people start uh from that ram who wants to protect that because then you've got people who are who are fighting for life and limb as they feel to to protect their vested interest and in which is their bank account where their heart is so that's that's an interesting convicting thing and i think i hope everyone takes that away that they walk back and they say okay on this mlk day every time mlk day rolls around is it a time for you to reflect are you ready can you can you continue to take that walk or is it a, is or is it a convenient you know truth is, or is it convenient for you that that dr king was murdered was it convenient for you that all these other things you know that are happening that is happening to other people instead of you right right so so you you you've heard this this quote right that uh uh it's pulled out right it's this quote we we are tied together in a single garment of destiny right caught in the incapable network of mutuality and whatever affects affects one directly affects all indirectly right like you you've seen that quote out there right because uh, it's one of those little snippets that's just brilliant of Dr. King. But out of context, that quote can be taken as this really nice, fluffy, like, we're all one. We're all together. We're all tied together. But Dr. King was speaking that in his last sermon out of his commitment to these things, right? Out of his commitment to not being greedy out of his commitment to uh, overturning the economic system, out of his commitment to be against war, right? Out of his commitment to bring a revolutionary movement of the poor. Then he says, we're gonna do this because we're all tied together, right? In this one, one, one family, right? It, it is, it, 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 taking that thing out of context makes it so fluffy, right? Putting it in context makes it so convicting, right? Why would you not be greedy? Because we're tied together. Why would you not like, like, like want to redo the economic system, right? You want to redo it because we're all tied together because some of you are living in tents downtown and some of you are sitting in billion dollar, million dollar mansions. We gotta redo that economic piece so that that disparity is gone, right? Now put the quote in, right? You can, like, here y'all go, here y'all go, y'all on, on the chat. Here y'all go, here you go. Here's the thing, right? Hey, there's people living downtown in tents, and there's people in million dollar mansions. Hey, there's people standing in food lines and there's people buying extra because it's going to snow. There's, right, there's people, right, um, who can't get the medicine they need 
to be healthy. And there's people who go to the doctor when they get a little twitch in their finger. We now input, we are all, now input this, right? Input this, we are tied together in a single garment of destiny caught in the incapable network of mutuality. And whatever affects one affects all indirectly. Put that, put that quote in the context of the stuff before it, right? You're gonna have you're gonna have some of the listeners walking or uh, walking away with a rich young ruler quote or you know just head down just <laughs> sad. Just, just... <laughs> but <laughs> But no, when you put I'm, it, tired of, I'm tired of a whitewashed king, man. I'm tired of it, bro. This this, this is what's going in. Yeah, like this is crazy because this is not the Dr. King. You know, the only Dr. King that I grew up, and you know, I grew up, I'm a little bit younger than you. Um, and the Dr. King I grew up with, it never went beyond I have a dream. And it was always about, you know, people of different colors holding hands and being happy. And that's all that, that's all that I, I ever, that's all that was ever taught, whether it was through the church, really, to be honest, which I can't remember a time where the church ever really mentioned Dr. King, you know, um, that was just strictly February at school that I got, got any knowledge on Dr. King. Um, this type of teaching is good. I hope that if you see this, you share it. Uh, you get a chance to just, you know, sit down with someone young and let them know who Dr. King was in a different context than what is being put in the school books and what people are are comfortable with. This is a very uncomfortable Dr. King um, that we're talking about right now. We've got a little bit more time before uh, we get up out of here. Where else we want to go with this on this on on this MLK Day? Man, here's 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 one here's one other, here's one other thing that's gonna that that this, this is. So uh, Martin and Coretta took a tremendous leap of faith and recognized the full extent of their beliefs at home. They decided to remove from their own house the pistol once bought for self-protection, acknowledging that their ultimate security could never be found in guns. <laughs> this, this is the second, second amendment. <laughs> Go on, baby. Get that gun out of my house. So this is the second thing that you've said that really just back to back, it just hits to this idea of those things that we're willing to die for, those things that we've been taught to, to protect, how, you know, home, heritage, and, and, and who we are, our finances, our money, all these different things. We put a lot, you know, around that. And what you're saying is surrender some of those things. This is what Dr. King was saying. Dude, I can't imagine the amount of fight that Dr. King would get in a modern era. And honestly, you know, what would his legacy still be what it is uh, today had he had not been been murdered. Uh, would we still, like, if, if that message uh, like, fully got out, how would he have been dealing with it? Like, well, 
I mean, I think the most convicting thing, and again, uh, let's do some resources here real quick before we jump off. I think the most convicting thing is what Vincent Harding gives us in his, in his book, The Inconvenient Hero, is some reflection from people that walked with King behind the scenes and who he really was and where he was really going with things. The King um, before 1963 was one thing. The King after 1963 was a, was a different. The movement grew to something different, right? Uh, and, uh, and understanding that is critical. And these, some of these folks are quoted as saying, I'm not sure I would have been able to go with a king who's coming out against war, who's taking the guns out of his house, right? Who's talking against greed, who's calling for all people, all poor people to form a revolution to reconstruct the American government, right? That stuff people think is crazy now, right? And I'm sorry to use the word crazy, but people do do think that. And so that's, that's who we need to recognize on this day, right? We celebrate the struggle and the commitment that Dr. King put forward for us to follow. And the warning he gave to black people, right? The warning that says, we are not trying to mimic white America. If you're trying to mimic white America, you are not taking up the call of your ancestors before you. Shit. I mean. That's the best takeaway today of all things is, is not mimicking white America. Right. We're not here to do that. So here, here, here's our, here's, Here's a book I was reading from a lot today. Uh, Vincent Harding, who walked with Dr. King. Uh, Vince, Dr. Vincent Harding was one of those heroes who's now passed away, but he left this for us. Um, also read uh, from uh, King's book, uh, Strength to Love, uh, which is uh, where he, another, another great book. Uh, if you, you wanna read some King instead of quote some King, um, other stuff that I, I, I get some stuff from is a call to consciousness, uh, which is some of his sermons. Uh, uh, Coretta Scott King's book, uh, she wrote a book uh, as well that, uh, oops, that, uh, that you should check out um, as well. Um, and bro, I have, I have a collection of all, all the sermons, right? Um, that, um, that I have listened to every last one of. And so, if you want to pick that up, although my version's on CD, so you might be able to get this joint. You might be able to get that some other kind of way now. But I have the same thing. And, I, and the other day, I was like, I have no way of playing this. I actually could not think of how I could. I can't get in the car and play it anymore. Like, what am I going to do with this? Oh, all right, bro. Well, thanks, man. This is our producer, Andrew Morgan, who always gets us set up right. Uh, and produces incredible shows. Uh, I am Leroy Barber. Uh, this is the Sit Up Podcast. Let's begin.